since, uh, since we're starting a three-week series on mental health, I thought I would cause a lot of anxiety by coming up from the other side of the stage for the first time in two years. But it backfired. I feel horrible. I don't know. Why would I sit over there? My pattern is over here, and I broke my pattern. You're all nice people, but I just, uh, everything about it feels wrong. But we're going to be okay. Listen, uh, there's not much in this country that we agree on. That's, that's obvious. But you know, there's something that 90% of Americans agree on. 90% of Americans agree that we're in a mental health crisis right now. 90% of people, according to a Kaiser Family Foundation poll, say that. There's a, there's a prevalent issue when it comes to anxiety. It's our biggest mental health issue in the USA. There's a, a USA Prevention Task Force that their job is to kind of do the research and make guideline recommendations to doctors. And two months ago, they posted, so it's under review still, but their recommendation is that everybody, now regardless of your symptoms, everyone under 65 should be screened for anxiety. That's how common it has become post-pandemic. And so, man, it's really happening out there. Even in California, 800 young adults were surveyed and asked to pick two words that defined their generation's future. They chose the words uncertain and worry to talk about how they think the future is going to be. And so we're gonna talk about anxiety today, but this is a complex human experience. And so I'm gonna try and avoid uh, cliches and one size fits all spiritual answers because the Bible's a lot more nuanced than that. And so today we'll attempt to bring some clarity on what anxiety is and how God wants to help us with that. Now, next week, this is a two-part sermon. Next week, we'll talk about what the scripture says about pursuing peace in our lives. So I really hope that you come back next week because the the sermons are connected, uh, definitely. And so let's start with a definition from a Christian counseling guide on what anxiety is. It's an inner feeling of apprehension, unease, worry, or dread that is accompanied by a heightened physical feeling In times of anxiety, the body appears to be on alert, ready to flee, fight, or freeze. The heart beats faster, blood pressure and muscle tensions increase. Neurological and chemical changes occur, and the person may feel faint, jumpy, or unable to relax or sleep, like how I feel when I sit on this side of the auditorium. It just broke all my patterns, it was not okay. Listen, here's a list of all the, the feelings we feel when it comes to anxiety. Maybe you felt some of these, panic, stress, shortness of breath, uh, nervousness, excessive sweating. I mean, this, you look at this list and you're like, you're like, well, I'm not gonna admit to the excessive sweating, but everything else I feel, like I feel this. I, I, this, is, this is how I felt at times, or maybe too often, this is how you feel. And these thoughts can be rooted in worry, fear, concern, and all different kinds of categories. So today it's important for us to differentiate between normal anxiety, unhealthy anxiety, and an anxiety disorder. I think those are three different things, and we'll look at what the scriptures say about each of them. The first is normal anxiety. This is something that all of us experience. It's a normal human emotion, and it means we experience temporary anxious feelings as a result of stress, danger, deadlines, traumatic events, and life change. All different kinds of situations cause anxiety. Uh, This week, my daughter was preparing for a math test, and we were just sitting in the garage talking. It's where the best talks happen, and and she goes, Dad, I'm just feeling stressed and nervous about this test. I'm like, well, that's normal. And we're talking about that at church on Sunday. It's a normal feeling and not necessarily a bad feeling. Before a big sports event you're participating in, if you, if you lose a job, you're going to feel anxious about how you're going to provide. Starting a new project, going through a major crisis in life, 
All of these things will cause emotional reactions in us that are normal, that are completely normal. Our body was uniquely designed to respond to danger. Fear is what we feel with immediate danger. Something is running at you in the dark. You're going to have fear, and that is, that is right. That is a God-given emotion. Anxiety is when there's an uncertain future threat that may or may not be real. But we feel like, I need, to, I need to prepare for this, right? I need to get ready. This is our body's attempt to motivate us to be ready and prepare for what is coming. Now, sometimes it will turn out to be a false alarm. And all the feelings we felt about a future threat, they weren't warranted, but we still felt them. Other times, the alarm will get stuck in the on position, and we will feel anxious for way too long than is helpful for our body. But sometimes anxiety gives us exactly what we need to be ready for that future situation. It's a purposeful part of humanity, and it's God-designed, and it's not sinful at all. So we would be wise to listen to it. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3 says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. And so we look at this verse and we think, oh, it's when you're walking down the street and you see, okay, something's going on up there. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a problem. I'm crossing the street and going in a different direction because I don't want to be near that potential danger. But what if instead of seeing that danger and dealing with it, what if you feel that danger and deal with it? That is still a warning system that we should listen to that I think the scriptures would say, yeah, that's a fitting application of the verse of seeing danger is feeling danger. And so I'm going to tell three stories today that are personal. Two of them you've heard, but not in the context of anxiety. The third, I've only told 10 people before first service, but now there's a few hundred that know in first service, but I've been hiding, hiding this one a little bit. But the first is that I remember when I was asked in 2004 in New Jersey at a church to do announcements, I remember feeling this physical, anxious feeling in my heart. But I still said, yes. I said, no, I'm going to do this. But because I had that feeling, I realized I need to prepare for this. The anxiety motivated me to practice. And I'm embarrassed to say, but I practiced for two hours to do church announcements about men's ministry and a marriage retreat and stuff. And, and I thought I nailed it, even though I felt horrible the whole time. But then when I walked off the stage and everyone was clapping because of announcements, I thought there's two options. I either knocked it out of the park or more likely, it was a pity clap. And they're like, oh, we love you. That was so, yeah, good. you'll do better in the future. And that's, that's really what it was, an embarrassing pity clap. But then I realized, man, I, I need to get over this. How am I going to be in ministry if I'm not over this? And so I committed to do the announcements and volunteer for the next two years to continue to do that. And so I would practice because of the anxiety and get up there. And eventually, I became a bit desensitized to it. And after two years, I felt really comfortable doing announcements. That was a normal anxiety that prepared me to overcome some fears and show me what was, what was real and what wasn't. And so we see this normal anxiety in Scripture. The Apostle Paul gives us two examples of it. First is in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, where Paul is listing off a bunch of struggles that he's had in ministry. And he says, apart from those other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul was going out planting churches and visiting churches, and he loved the people in those churches. And so 
He had anxiety. He had a normal human concern and love for them. When he was apart from them, he would worry for them. What if, what if false teaching enters the church? What if they aren't faithful to the Lord? And his concern and worry that he had, he described as an anxiety. Now for this one, it seems like Paul sought a supernatural help. He sought God's help for his anxiety. Because in 2 Corinthians 11, as you get to the end of that chapter, in the next chapter, all of these anxieties that Paul is talking about, how he deals with them is going to the Lord, and the Lord's response is, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is gonna be made great in your weakness. And so sometimes with our anxiety, God is going to help us overcome it. But then other times, there's just practical things we do. Philippians chapter 2, verse 28, Paul says, speaking to the church in Philippi, therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, that's his fellow worker, Epaphroditus, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. In this situation, Paul loved the church of Philippi. He was worried about them so much. He just thought, I don't have to worry about it. I can just send Epaphroditus to them. He'll minister to them in my absence and he'll report back that they're doing okay. And it was a real practical solution to his anxiety. Either way, it led to, to good from this. Jesus experienced normal anxiety. I think that's fair to say in his humanity. Matthew chapter 26, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested and betrayed, it's described as Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed. In Jesus' humanity, his soul got to a point where it was overwhelmed Right? He knew that he was about to be arrested, betrayed, tortured, and executed. He knew that was happening, and this created an emotional and physical response. I mean, he was sweating drops of blood, the scriptures say, and he describes his soul being overwhelmed, this anxiety, but it caused him to gather his friends and pray and for him to have some private time with his Father in heaven. And so this was a normal experience for even Jesus. And I believe it better prepared him for what was to come. Jesus left that time of prayer with his friends and his private prayer bold to face everything that happened to him. And so in this case, anxiety was really good because it caused him to call out to his father and to gather supportive friends to pray with him. And if that's what our normal anxiety causes, is we say, you know what, I just need to go to God with my anxiety and my fears and my worry, and I need to let people know and be transparent about what I'm going through, then that is a good thing. So know this, it's normal, and even Jesus can relate to how you're feeling. But that isn't the only type of anxiety. There's also unhealthy anxiety, something we all experience at different times. And this is the type of anxiety that the scriptures encourage us to reduce and encourages us, hey, we don't have to live in this type of anxiety. Sometimes anxiety in the Bible refers to obsessive human concerns that are rooted in patterns of thinking that have become all-consuming. And it leads to unhealthy amounts of worry, fear, and what-if scenarios, worst-case scenarios that we dream up. And this increases our anxiety and leaves us in a continual state of feeling anxious. That's not the state that the Lord wants us to operate in, although this is something that we also experience. Now, what's the source of unhealthy anxiety as opposed just to the normal God-given anxiety? It can be a lot of, sometimes it's just when a normal anxiety situation, like a love for a child or a spouse, becomes obsessive and you just worry all the time for their safety and you, you can't not worry for their safety. That can be a time. Well, 
the scriptures are also clear that I think, I think sin can cause unhealthy anxiety. If you gamble away your family's entire savings, you better be anxious about that. You should be anxious about your future because of what you just did. And so if our anxiety is caused by sin, we want to repent of that and get right with the Lord. So we're not making those decisions that cause anxiety. Sometimes it's just a lack of trust in God where it's a situation where we could put our trust in God to be a provider and take care of us, but instead we just dream of all the worst case scenarios and we live in the anxiety instead of trusting in the Lord. Sometimes it's because we consume too much anxious inputs in our lives. So naturally, we're going to be anxious, right? If all we do is watch the news and look at social media, guess how you're going to feel? You're going to feel anxious. That's what it will produce in us is anxiety. And so this type of anxiety hurts us and doesn't help us. Here's what I mean by that. It hurts us. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. This type of anxiety is seen as a burden or a weight that can be changed, and a kind word could be what God uses to cheer us up. And so when we're in these unhealthy states of mind where we're obsessing over something instead of trusting in the promises of God, it becomes a burden, and it hurts us. It also doesn't help us. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, can anyone, anyone by uh, worrying add a single hour to their life? Like, what, what good has worrying done for us? If you think about it, the days where we, where we just trust in the Lord versus the days where all we do is try and problem solve and think about how to make our situation better, worrying rarely leads to victory, rarely leads to any good. Jesus says that himself. I've experienced this type of unhealthy anxiety where, where I just obsessed over it and it was too much. It was in 2001, over 20 years ago, when for some reason, I still don't understand, I signed up for a speech class at New York University. And so I'm in this tiny class with just 20 people, and I guess I didn't realize I'd have to give a speech. Brilliant, huh? Brilliant. But I, I had to give a speech at one point, and as I'm preparing for it, I'm feeling that anxiety, but I'm like, well, I gotta do this. And, and so I write out my note cards nine seconds into the speech, Nine seconds into it, I'm like, hold on, I gotta start over, I gotta start over. Because I started feeling all this physical anxiety, my knees were shaking, my hands were shaking, I was slurring words together, I'm like, what is happening to me right now? And I got back up there, I'm like, all right, I can do this. 30 seconds later, I panic, and I say, I can't do this, and I throw my note cards dramatically at the camera, like a little teenage girl or something, I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do this, and I walk off camera, and everyone's like, oh my gosh. You hear people go, oh. Oh my. And they're like, you can do it, you can do it. I'm like, no, this is stupid. It's dumb. Speeches are dumb. I'm changing majors. This doesn't make any sense. I'm not doing this. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, no. And they were the most supportive people ever in the room. I didn't go back to that class until three weeks later. I kept on skipping it because of the anxiety causing me to avoid this fear, right? Finally, I go back and I try again and a few seconds into the speech, I'm just like, it's all happening again. Everyone thinks I'm stupid. And so I punch the podium and walk off and say, I'm done, that's it. And I never tried again in that class. I only did the written assignments. And the class was like mortified. It's really uncomfortable. It was the worst three minutes of my life, I would say. And just yesterday, I converted the VHS to digital video and at the end of the service, I'm going to give you a link so you can watch the worst three moments of my life. <laughs> I have to warn you, you'll lose all respect for me, and it's horribly uncomfortable. 
but I want you to see it. Oh, it hurts so bad. Listen, this is the type of anxiety we're encouraged to remove, but I didn't want to. No, I was done and obsessing over it. But we're encouraging the scriptures to adjust, to make changes, to pursue peace. And so we're told in Philippians chapter four, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're told to do something with this, that we don't have to live in that anxiety, that we can go to God in prayer, that we can focus on the good things, the things we're thankful for and grateful for. And God is saying, hey, I'm gonna give you peace in those moments. But to say because of this verse that all anxiety is solved with prayer and gratitude would not take into account the entirety of the scriptures. The Bible is much more nuanced than that, and that is an oversimplification. But know this, there are biblical principles about pursuing peace that can benefit all of us in this room. And we're going to spend a lot of next week talking about that, and so I hope that you come back for it. Now, the third category of anxiety is anxiety disorders. And I spoke to a couple of licensed counselors this week to make sure I was phrasing things right. But an anxiety disorder is when you have excessive, persistent worry about everyday situations, sometimes with repeated episodes of sudden feelings of intense fear that reach a peak within minutes. We call these panic attacks. These feelings interfere with daily activities and are difficult to control without the common graces, the gifts of God, of, of medicine, counseling, and, and therapy. And examples of anxiety disorders are a generalized anxiety disorder, a panic disorder, social anxiety, separation anxiety, or anxiety due to a medical condition or trauma or PTSD. All these things can, can spur it on. As many as 300 million people in the world live with an anxiety disorder. It is common. It's common to have this. And we think, well, why is this happening? Well, anytime we're talking about disease or sickness, we have to go back to the book of Genesis to talk about that original sin that corrupted humankind that we've been paying the consequences for ever since. One day in the future, we'll have a new body and we won't suffer with anxiety or any diseases, but that day is not today. And so while it wasn't your sin that caused anxiety, it's sinfulness in humankind that causes any kind of a disease. Think of John chapter nine, verse three, where the disciples are walking by a blind man. Instead of pausing to pray or encourage him, they say, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus turned around and said, you're all just a bunch of jerks, you know? That's just the meanest thing I've ever... No, he didn't say that, but he's probably thinking it. Like, are you kidding me, this poor guy here? He says, neither but that the glory of God might be revealed and shown. And then he heals him and God's glory is shown in the power of Jesus. And so while anxiety in this affliction is no one's personal fault when it comes to sin, it can be an opportunity to share the glory of God, the goodness of God and the love of God as he is helping you through it. And in many cases, anxiety disorder, um, it's one of the most treatable of all mental illness. And so there's hope. But sadly, only one in four people are asking for help that are suffering with an anxiety disorder. Now, as believers in Jesus, we should never feel ashamed at verbalizing how we're feeling. And if we start having consistent, heightened levels of anxiety, we need to ask for help and help is available. But know this, while we are grateful for the common graces of medicine and therapy, 
without a relationship with God, we will never experience peace in our heart because these things, medicine and therapy, while very helpful and beneficial, they don't touch the spiritual part of us. And so we will still be left without true peace if we don't have a saving relationship with Jesus. The scriptures are clear. We were designed for a relationship with God until we have that and we're living in it. We're gonna feel like something is off. I think of Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, which says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, right? A part of our puzzle for why we don't have peace will always be that we need to pursue a saving relationship with Jesus and go deeper with him because he wants to bear that burden with us. Now, I haven't always understood this third category of anxiety disorder. I, to be honest, if, I, if I'm honest with you, I think I thought maybe like, oh, well, like, that's not for me. Maybe I'm stronger than that. And, and I just don't think I understood it. I wouldn't verbalize anything like that. But I think that's how I felt, if I'm being honest. Until a few months ago, you guys know this has been my medical year, woohoo, where I had a, one Sunday, I decided to explode my appendix before preaching. And so I had to go to the hospital. And then two weeks later, I had an abscess develop where that appendix was, which one in five people win that lucky prize. And I was back in the hospital, and it was on day five or six of being back in the hospital that all of a sudden I felt like I noticed a new symptom that I hadn't told the doctors. And my, my vision was getting blurry, and I couldn't read the words underneath my like iPhone icons. I'm like, well, all right, don't, don't worry. Just tell the nurse about it. Maybe it's a common thing. So I went out into the hallway looking for the nurse, and it took 10 minutes until they got there. So I'm rethinking it all in my mind for those 10 minutes, wondering what it is. Finally, a different nurse says, are you okay? because it was obvious I was looking in the middle of the hallway. I said, oh, I, oh, I'm having like blurred vision. It feels like a new symptom. She goes, well, well sit down. Come sit. And she like escorts me back to the bed and she's like, sit down, sit down. I'm like, well, geez, she took that really seriously. And she just scurries out of the room. I'm like, why is she going so fast? And I start thinking about my blurry vision. And then my nurse comes skidding across the hallway like he's in socks. He goes, are you okay? And I'm like, well, I don't know, you know? And, and, and the nurse, and I start talking about it. And then I, I feel like I kind of well up with some tears in my eyes. Don't worry, I held him in. And, and I'm like, I'm, feel, I'm feeling this and that. And he like hits a button and call, makes a call. And all of a sudden there's 12 people running to my room. And I'm like, that's it. Andy's dying today. Lord, I love you. I'm going to see you in a minute. Take care of my children. And my heart is pounding. My, my, my breath is short. I'm just having a hard time breathing. I feel that anxious feeling. And it just felt, I felt like a little dizzy. And they're all, they're pricking my finger for blood sugar, doing all these tests. And one by one, I saw each test come back within range. And I started realizing that the truth of what's going on is that I'm fine, but I feel like I'm dying. And so all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait a second. And I asked the doctor, I said, hey, I've read about panic attacks, but I've never had one. Is, is that what I'm doing right now? He goes, yeah, buddy. Yeah, it is. I'm like, oh, he goes, no, don't feel bad. I'm like, I do feel bad. I just caused a scene in the hospital. And so one by one, they leave and I'm left by myself. And then my wife calls and I'm sorry for lying to you, but it wasn't really a lie. It was like a barely lie, almost a lie, right? <laughs> and so she calls me in the hospital and it's just like, this is like two seconds after the final nurse leaves the room and I'm by myself and she calls and I'm like, nope. <laughs> and so I pick up the call and I don't tell her anything. I'm like, yeah, things are great. Yeah, I just won the lottery. Everything's amazing. And so I hang up and I was like, I cannot talk to her about this right now. It's too fresh. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until I got home like a day or two later <laughs> that, I, that I said, so listen. <laughs> and I talked to her about it and, I, and I, I needed time to process it all. Here, here's what happened. 
You want to get ready for some irony? That day before the panic attack, I was reading a book called A Non-Anxious Presence. Are you kidding me? I'm reading a book on anxiety and I have my first panic attack. What happened was I decided I'm not watching Netflix today. I need to, if I'm in the hospital a lot, I got to read good books. So I read an entire book in one day. And it's been a while since I've read a whole book in one day. My eyes were a little tired because of that and blurry. And so I just felt embarrassed because of the whole thing. Even though the doctor's saying you don't have to be embarrassed because he knows how powerful the mind can be. That was just a taste for me of what some people experience daily and weekly in their lives. And I think the Lord was kind enough to humble me and bring me low so that I could be more sensitive about this. So, so what does God think about our anxiety for any of these categories? The scripture portrays God as a loving father. God doesn't want us to be ashamed to tell him how we are feeling in prayer and to be honest with him about how we're doing. God knows about the stress that we carry and that we can become overwhelmed, that we're just dust, we're we're nothing. And God offers to help. And Peter, who I think knew a thing or two about anxiety, can you imagine how you'd feel after denying the savior of the world, God himself, three times, how you would feel when you think back on that moment? Peter says this in 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God is saying, let me carry the burden for you. Will you unburden yourself because your shoulders weren't made for this? Your heart wasn't made for all the stress and this anxiety. If you try and handle it yourself, you're not gonna make it. Give it to me because I'm a compassionate father. When I see my kids after school, I always ask them, can I carry that backpack for you? Because it's a simple thing I can do to bless them. Usually, sometimes they're like, what are you talking about? It's like a light backpack. But Abigail has all these books because they're prepping her for middle school next year. And she's carrying all these books. And she's always like, yes, please, let me, un- let me unburden this to you, is, is kind of what I feel she's saying. I-, I will carry anything for my kids if it helps them. I will carry them if it helps them. When we do big Yosemite hikes, and we're just going for Vernal Falls or something big. And it's just not fair to my little five-year-old, he's six now, that, that he can make it up those steps. Eventually, I'll carry him up the way. To be honest, sometimes, one time I paid a college student $20 to carry him up the rest of the way, just being honest. I don't want him to hear the sermon like, I carried him. Well, another time I carried him, though. All right, listen, a good father wants to carry the burden and carry us. Please know that while next week we'll talk about what the scripture says about pursuing peace, that right now, God loves you. Your struggle with anxiety is no indication for the love of God for you. God loves you perfectly. He proved that when he sent his son on the cross for your sins. That's how much he loves you so that you can have a relationship with him so that the comforter, the Holy Spirit, could dwell inside of you. And your struggle with anxiety is no indication of the nearness of God. He is there with you even if you feel like he is absent and distant from you or even upset at you. That's not true. He's there with you in those moments. And so when it comes to normal anxiety, just thank God for that emotion. It prepares us for the future. When it comes to unhealthy anxiety, if we are able to change that, if we're able to change that, then we should seek peace and to reduce our anxiety because God doesn't want us to live in that state And when it comes to an anxiety disorder, know that God is with you, that it's not your fault, and that God is going to help you. And so next week, we'll talk about some some good verses in the scriptures that will tell us how to pursue peace. But I don't want to leave you without any practical helps. And so we'll put a final slide on the screen. And I'm asking you to text the word anxiety to our church number or to go to our website slash anxiety. 
for some real practical helps. Versus, you'll see this great podcast by my friend Wesley Town. It's a mental health podcast from a Christian. It's called Better Days. You can click on it or search in the App Store, but it's just fantastic. You can watch three testimony videos of people. One of them is a, a gymnast that was experiencing too much, an Olympic gymnast, too much anxiety. Another was a Marine that had PTSD. And another was just a lady jogging that was almost kidnapped. They tried to force her into a van. Can you imagine how you would feel out in public after that? Each of them can say that God helped them through their anxiety. Watch those stories. Read a helpful book. I think I, I list five or six great books that you can read on anxiety that are gracious and helpful. Pray with the pastor. You can do that up front after the service, or there's a link on our website where you can click and schedule an in-person meeting to sit down with us and talk. And talk to a licensed counselor. We have a list of local vetted Christian licensed counselors that are in the area. And if you want to add your name, if that's who you are and you're not on the list, then please let us know so we can meet with you. And a licensed counselor can help you with all three of these types of anxiety, not just an anxiety disorder. And I would say if the Lord's making it obvious that's your next step, then do that. But the final step is to laugh. Laughter is good medicine. And so at the bottom of that page, I don't know why I punished myself, is a video that used to be a VHS, but yesterday got digitized. And I'm giving you permission to laugh at me. There's three meltdowns that happen in the video. I timestamp it so you can skip ahead and just watch the pain if you want. Listen, anxiety is no laughing matter, but 20 years later, if the Lord can have me up here weekly talking with you from the uncomfortable awkwardness that you're gonna see in that video, I think hopefully it'll be encouraging that there's hope for all of us when it comes to anxiety. But never forget the Lord loves you in your anxiety. And so Father, we ask that you would help us today, that you'd comfort us. Lord, no matter what anyone walked in here with, I pray that you would help them to have the strength to unburden themselves to you that you would carry their burden for them. You desire to do this because you love us and you don't wanna see us uh, in this place where we're burdened. So Lord, help us to give you our weights because we weren't made to handle it all alone. We weren't made for all these anxious inputs that we're hearing. It's only normal for us to feel this way. And yet you give us a path to peace. And so I pray you'd clear our schedules so we could come back next week and see what you say about that we commit this to you, knowing that you're a good and loving God. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a prayer team available up front right now that would love to pray with you, and we'll see you next week. God bless.